Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. Today, uh, I want to talk to you guys about the mission. It's a pretty big topic. Um, We are currently in a sermon series called At Our Core, right? Where we are taking time to process like who we are, what we're about. Uh, Pastor Felt led that that we needed to really just reevaluate that. It's been a couple years. And as we've kind of come out of this uh, COVID-19 situation, it's always good to get grounded again in who we are and what we're about. So we here at Encounter Church, we're about the mission. Would you guys uh, agree with me on that? Like, we are about the mission. And every good church, every good organization should have in place a mission statement which defines who they are, what they're about. Like, essentially, it's their purpose for existing, right? And our mission statement should look a lot like God's mission statement, right? That our mission statement should align with God's heart, and God's heart is for lost people. So with that, here is our mission statement, and uh, Megan's going to throw that up for us. We love. It's love, reach, and power. Everybody's heard that a million times here. That's good. That's good that we keep uh, remembering that because that's important. We love. We love God, right? Love God first. Love pe- we love people. We reach. We reach up. We reach in. And most importantly, I believe, we reach out. We empower. We empower others to be disciples. And I'll say this. If we... Are, as a church body aren't about the mission, then we might as well not exist, or at the very least, I think we should change our designation from a church to a, sho- to a social club, right? And I'll say that again. If we're not about the mission, then we're not a church. We're not the church. If we're not about the mission, we're just a social club. So we should either disband, or we should just change our designation to a social club, be the, the encounter country club or something. I don't know. But if we're not about the mission, then we're not about God's business. And so my first point this morning is that Jesus was about the mission. Jesus was about the mission. And I want to start this morning by reading out of Luke chapter 4, verse 14 through 21. So if you have your Bibles, you have your your iPads, your uh, phones, Hopefully nobody here has an Android device. I'm just kidding. That's such a joke. I have to say that every time, just just because. And uh, Chuck back in the back is saying amen, right? Chuck's a big uh, Apple fan, and so am I. I think they do it right, but but that's beside the point. So, anyways, um, turn your turn with me to your uh, in your Bibles or your U version app or whatever it, the case may be to Luke chapter 14 verses or four verses 14 through 21, and this is what it says in the NIV. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That is important right there. Power of the Spirit. That's important. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone was praising him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. On the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Then the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So let me kind of set the scene here. This is like Luke chapter 4, so we've only had three chapters prior to this. And we find that Jesus has just returned from fasting 40 days in the desert, 40 days, 40 nights, right? And so he, he comes into town after that, full of the Holy Spirit, and um, he sits down in the synagogue or the Jewish place of worship. They had the synagogues, which were local places of worship, and then they had the temple. So Jesus sits down in the synagogue, and he begins to read this passage. And for us, it's, it's Luke chapter 4, but Jesus is reading from, from Isaiah chapter 61, because um, obviously they didn't have the New Testament yet, right? Because, you know, that was after Jesus. So he, he reads this passage, Isaiah chapter 61, and then he basically says, yeah, this passage is talking about me. So can you imagine, like, how much that upset the religious leaders of that day, right? Um, so he, he said it's about him, and then he rolled up the scroll, and he, and he sat down, and basically, like, in our language, that literally means that Jesus pretty much just dropped the mic. Like, he just, mic drop right there. He said, this is about me. This is pointing to me as the Messiah. This is what I've been sent to do. And he drops the mic. There, was, there were no mics back then, but you know what I mean. They dr- he dropped the mic, and he sat down. And by doing this, he announced his mission from the very, very beginning. Like, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry after he spent time uh, in the desert fasting and praying. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. So the Holy Spirit rests on me because he's anointed me. And we're going to talk about that word anointed here in a minute. But he's anointed me to, to preach good news to the poor. And that word poor is not just physically poor as we would think of it, but though I do believe that that was part of it. What Jesus is really more referring to here is those that are poor in spirit, those that are spiritually poor. So let's talk about that word anointed, right? He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. What does that word mean? Is that just Christianese, right? What does anointed mean? So the word anointed, and I did a little bit of a Greek study. Uh, by the way, if, if you like to do word studies, uh, blueletterbible.org is a fantastic resource, and it's free. And all you got to do is punch the verse in, and then it like lists out the words, what they are in Greek. You can click on the Greek word and figure out what it means. It's really, really easy. So that's what I like about it. But Blue Letter Bible, uh, that's how I study a lot whenever I'm, I'm doing my, my message. But um, the word anointed here in the Greek is the word creo. Everybody say creo. Creo. Yeah. So guess what it means? It means to anoint. That was really profound, right? Super profound. The word creo means to anoint. So in the Old Testament, people would be anointed with oil, and that would signify that they are marked or that they were sent and that the Spirit of God rested on them to accomplish a purpose or a task. You see it a lot with the judges of Israel, right? They were anointed for that particular time to accomplish a purpose. And cool enough, uh, Creo is also where we, where we get the word Christ, Jesus Christ. So Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus, the sent one, Creo, Christ. 
Jesus is saying here that basically that I have been sent, Jesus has been sent to and empowered to preach good news, to proclaim freedom from those who are bound, and to help the spiritually and physically blind to see again, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I don't have time to go into what the year of the Lord's favor is, but in a nutshell, it was the year of Jubilee, which is every seven years in the Jewish custom, they had to basically cancel people's debts. And Jesus is saying, I've come here to set people free and to cancel their debts. And we're not talking about a, a physical, hey, you owe money to this guy. I'm talking about like, like you're indebted in sin. And Jesus has come to cancel our debts and to set us free. So that's what he's talking about, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. So then from this point on, we see that Jesus sets out to accomplish just that. Like Jesus was so tunnel vision focused on his mission. He remained focused on it. And everything that Jesus said, everything that he did, everywhere that he went was purposeful and intentional towards fulfilling our mission or his mission. Man, I wish we were like that, right? I wish that we had one central mission and we knew what our mission was and we were so tunnel vision focused on that that everywhere we went, everything that we did was bent on accomplishing that mission. Like I wish that, that the church body as a whole would be that tunnel vision focus on the things that really matter and the only thing that really matters, which is the mission of God on the earth. So we see here uh, Luke chapter 19, 1 through 9, if you want to turn there. It's not going to be on the screen, um, but I want to read it to you real quickly. Uh, we see Jesus, and we see his mission on the earth in Luke chapter 19. I have to turn to it. A lot of notes in here. 16, 17. Oh, there it is. So we're going to read about a guy named Zacchaeus. Does anybody remember that song in like Sunday school about 1990? I don't know, 1990s. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he? Okay. So every time I read the story of Zacchaeus, I think about that that song because that just sticks with me. I'm I I don't know. I just remember it. So. Think about that as we're reading this. Uh, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, poor Zacchaeus, he was short. He was vertically challenged. Uh, He could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. It says when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Oh no, Jesus is hanging out with sinful people. That's terrible. <laughs> that's, that's what Jesus came to do, right? Like, I often think that, like us as Christians, we have our circle of friends and it doesn't go beyond that. Like, Jesus hung out with sinful people. Jesus hung out with tax collectors and with sinners, and I think that we need to broaden our circle a little bit more to include people that are outside that, that God's circle. Would you guys agree with me on that this morning? I know I knew personally need to do a better job about that, to seek those people out and friend them, because a relationship between you and someone else goes a long way whenever you want to present the gospel to them. So we need to be more like Jesus. All right, so... 
But Zacchaeus stood up, we're at verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. And this right here, verse 10, is the uh, central verse of Luke, uh, of the Gospel of Luke, and really what I think is Jesus pointing to his central mission on the earth. And it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save which, um, what was lost, or some translations say that which was lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So if you know anything about Zacchaeus, it said that he was a tax collector. So what that means is that, obviously, he collected taxes for the Roman government. But the problem with tax collectors in those days is that they, were, they stole from people. They didn't just collect the amount that was required by the Roman government. They went above and beyond and collected more. And then the overhead, they kept that and they put it in their pocket. So people hated tax collectors. They absolutely hated them. Everybody hated t- the tax collectors because everyone knew it was like a social... Um, stigma, if you will, that tax collectors were, would rob you of your money, that they were thieves, that they were greedy, and that they, were, that they weren't honest. So he was very wealthy, and he would collect more taxes than what was required. And so that made him despised by pretty much everyone. And we see here that Zacchaeus was a prime example of somebody who was physically wealthy and yet spiritually poor. He was physically wealthy yet spiritually poor. And that brings up a really good point about the condition of humanity. Let me step up on my soapbox for a minute here. It is equal ground at the foot of the cross. Amen? Like, it doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're middle class. It doesn't matter if you're blue. If you're blue, you might want to go to the hospital, get that checked out, because that, <laughs> that means you possibly aren't breathing. So, that's, that's cause for concern this morning if you're blue. If you're blue, if you're green, it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, whether you hail from the, the west side of the tracks or the east side of the tracks or the north side of the tracks, or the s- it doesn't matter. There's equal ground at the foot of the cross, and we're all in the same condition, right, of being spiritually poor without Jesus. And Jesus came to save everyone. Like, we are all literally bankrupt we're dead to our sins, but Jesus has made us alive, and he's made us rich with sal- salvation. Are we? I appreciate that, amen? Do you guys appreciate that this morning? That we were dead to our sins, and if, if you've accepted Jesus into your life, that now you're alive to God? Jesus came to take dead people and make them alive again? Jesus came to take poor people spiritually and make them uh, spiritually rich? That's what he came to do, and it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter your wealth status. We're all in the same boat here, and Jesus came to to die for everybody. So Zacchaeus, we see that Zacchaeus, he was was very wealthy, yet spiritually poor, and we we can see before our very eyes here, right at verse 8, if you want to take a look at that, we can literally see like this transformation that takes place with Zacchaeus. Suddenly he became... He, ca- he went from a state of spiritual bankruptcy to becoming rich with salvation. And his great physical wealth didn't matter as much because he had found something worth more than silver or gold. And Zacchaeus found Jesus, and it literally changed his life. 
and his eternal destination. And you can see a repentant heart in Zacchaeus. This man was wealthy and greedy. And after he met Jesus, he was like, here, I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've robbed anyone, I'm going to give back to that person four times the amount. You can see a heart change within Zacchaeus. And Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And there are a lot of Zacchaeuses out there in the world that need the message of hope and need a Savior. So this is point two, and I hope I'm doing well time-wise. Might have to hurry it up a little bit. Jesus passed the mission to us. That's my second point. So does anybody in here like, like to run? Show your hands if you like to run. All right, these are my people. All right. I don't like to run either. It's terrible. If you like to run, then I don't know. You need to, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like to run because I get out of breath. I mean, I feel like I'm allergic to it almost. You know, I get out of breath, start sweating, my heart races. It's terrible. Why would you subject yourself to that kind of torture? It's horrible. Like, it's 2020. Take a car. Like, you know, if you want to go, you know, 5K, 10K, take a car. It'll get you there a lot quicker. And you won't be out of breath when you get there. Running is terrible. If you don't hear anything else today, don't run. It's bad. Unless somebody's chasing you, and then you can run. I, you know, if you're, you know, fearing for your life and something's chasing after you, you probably should be running. But in a relay race, right, people run. And they'll run a, a, a certain uh, allotted distance, right? And then what will they do in a relay race? They'll pass the baton. Pass the baton. That's what they'll do. So here we see Jesus basically running this relay race. And he gets to the end of his race. And Jesus literally passed the baton or the mission to us. Right? We see that recorded in Scripture several places. And I want to hit one of those places today. Mark chapter 16, verses 15. And... Really short, it says, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Can't get any plainer than that, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Notice what it doesn't say here. He doesn't say stay in the church. Uh oh. He doesn't say hope they come in. He doesn't say hope that the pastor will be the only one responsible for sharing the gospel. Nor does he say that we can pick and choose who we share that gospel with. He says very plainly, very specifically, go into all the world. So go into all the world. Preach the gospel to what? What's it say? All creation. All creation. And what's it say that the, dis the, that the disciples did? Thankfully here, they obeyed. And we see that in Mark chapter 16, verse 20. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord... Uh, worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So we see that the disciples obeyed. They went out. They preached everywhere. And just as Jesus said, Jesus showed that he was with them by signs and wonders accompanying the gospel. And here's another soapbox I'm going to step up on. We wonder why there are no signs and wonders. We don't see them as often. And I think it's because we're not doing the first part that we're not going. We're not stepping outside the four walls of the church. And the signs and wonders are for them. It's not for us. So I think as we go more, as we step outside of our own comfort bubble, and as we begin to like maybe pray for people that we feel led to pray for, I think we'll see signs and wonders. I really do. 
So here's a personal testimony just happened this this weekend. And I don't claim to be super spiritual. I just love Jesus. And I try to read my Bible and pray every day because that's important. But my dad, my parents came in Thursday. And Friday morning, my neighbor found my dad in the truck. About 5 o'clock, I get a phone call. And he's out there. My dad has a plethora of health problems, like ton of health problems. He's got heart problems, um, you name it, Parkinson's, diabetes. And we've had it, you know, and we just know that he has health problems. He takes a ton of medicine for it. But my neighbor found him in the truck. He went out there because he didn't want to wake anybody up because he was coughing a lot. He doesn't have COVID, so don't freak out. It's not, it's not Rona, okay? <laughs> it's not Corona. <laughs> they did that test. But um, he was coughing, so then he got short of breath. And I think he had a stroke, honestly, because he couldn't move. He couldn't move his arms or his legs. He was really, like, he had struggled breathing. And all he could get out was, help me, help me. And he was able to toot the horn a little bit to get the neighbor's attention. And thankfully, and that's another miracle of God, that the neighbor happened to be out that morning earlier, because normally he goes in a little later to work. But this week or this season, this summer, he's been having to go earlier. So he just happened to be out there, happened to notice. So I get a phone call, hey, your dad's in the truck, he's not doing too well. So we had to call the ambulance. And so I got out there, it's, I'm just, com- just trying to wake up, and I see dad laying in there struggling to breathe. He's cold, he's clammy, I'm obviously freaking out, right? And I just knew that I needed to pray for him, so I laid my hands on him. I prayed, part of it was in English, part of it was not, okay? And... So th- then they, we prayed over him, they sent him, and about 11 o'clock I went and picked him up. And they, they ran tests. They couldn't find anything wrong with him. They could not find anything wrong. That right there is a sign and a wonder and a miracle. And it's not because of me. I didn't do anything. I just prayed for him. But I think that if we stepped outside the four walls of the church and we exercised who we are in Christ and we were a little bit more bolder, we begin to pray for people, God's going to show up. God's going to move. Signs and wonders aren't for here. Signs and wonders are for out there. So that's, that's, I don't know, that's extra this morning. It is good stuff. You're right. I agree. Praise God that he's okay. You know, he's, he's great. Um, you should check out my Facebook. You'll see him dancing and trying to rap. It's hilarious. It's great. He is something. Second Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. So we're going to talk about that word creo again. Actually, no, that, that's farther on down. We're going to talk about the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Everybody say message of reconciliation. Yeah, that's what we call it. It's the message of, or the ministry of reconciliation, or the message of re- reconciliation. So that's that's what we're supposed to do. We all have, as believers, not just the, the pastor, not just Pastor Chris, everyone, collectively, as a whole, we all have this ministry of reconciliation that's been passed down to us from Jesus. And this task, you might think, is daunting, and I, I, would, I would agree with you. I say you're right. It's a big task. There's nine billion people out there in the world, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to God, of bringing people to Jesus. But we're not alone. Do you guys agree with me on that? Jesus promised that we would have help. 
And as just as we are like the vessels by which the hand of God accomplishes the mission on earth, see, we are just the vehicle, and it's the Holy Spirit that's the engine. We're the vehicle, it's the Holy Spirit that's the engine. Has anybody ever seen a, like a vehicle without an engine? Will that thing move? No. And that's who we are. We're just the vessels. We're just the, the, the vehicle. It's the Holy Spirit inside of us that's the engine that's driving us and driving the mission forward. That's, that's the best way that I can describe it right there. And, and we see that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power. Everybody say power. That word is dunam- dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. It's explosive power. It gets stuff done. Dunamis power. When the Holy Spirit has become, come upon you, and you will be my what? Witnesses. In Jerusalem, Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So let's look at, look at that word creo. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 12. 21, sorry, not 12. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. That's that word creo again. Set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So I don't want you to miss this this morning. This is important right here. So that same word, anointed, is where Jesus is saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. We see that here, where we personally have been anointed. And this is the whole point to that, is that just as Jesus was anointed with the, sa- with the Holy Spirit to fulfill the mission, right? Because we, when Jesus was baptized, it said that the Spirit of God rested upon him like a dove, right? We see that Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the mission. We also are anointed with the same Spirit to fulfill the same mission. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. The same Spirit that allowed Jesus to walk on the water, the same Spirit that allowed Jesus to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers, right, to heal the sick, to open blinded eyes, to open deaf ears, that same Spirit of God that rested on Jesus to do that work lives inside of us. We have a really big engine on the inside of us, don't we? But I think a lot of times we're just hanging out in first gear. You know? We're just barely scraping by. We're not exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're not exercising the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's really good this morning. We need to understand what's inside of us. That we have the Holy Spirit of God and the same one that Jesus had. L- Jesus literally baton- passed the baton to us. It's the same spirit, same mission that resided in Jesus, resides in us. So here's my third point. I guess I'm doing okay on time. When we lose sight of the mission, and this is the, this is the caution, this is the concern, and I, I think I see this a lot in the American church, and I don't like it, but when we lose sight of the mission, it becomes about us. And guess what? It's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about us. And I'm reminded of a certain story that Jesus told. It's back in Luke chapter 15. And it's like 11 to 31. It's a parable of the lost son. And I'm just going to paraphrase because we're, we're doing okay on time. But uh, I want to paraphrase what happened. And you guys have re- probably read this story a million times. So you understand what happened that. That Jesus tells a story about a father who had two sons. 
there's an older son and a younger son, right? And the younger son basically says, God or Father, give me my inheritance and I want to head out on my own. I want to take all this money. So he squanders it and he finds himself basically feeding pigs, wishing that he could eat that slop. So he comes to himself. He realizes, hey, this is this is dumb. So then he practices the speech and he's hoping to just to get back in as a slave to the father's household. And by the way, by asking for his inheritance, he's basically saying, because the, the sons did not get the inheritance until the father was like passed. It's kind of like today, you know, there's a will, you then you just distribute the the, the assets there. So the, the son is basically saying, Father, I, ho- I wish that you were dead. Give me my money. And then what's it say after that? That he comes back, he comes f- walking back, and the father is has been looking for him every day, it's, it, it appears, because he's watching the road. And he sees the son from afar off, and he goes and he runs to the son, and he hugs him, and he throws a, a, a cloak around him, and he puts a, a ring on his finger, that's that seal of ownership on his finger, and he brings him in. And I want to not focus on the younger son today. I want to focus on the older brother. Verses 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and the father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been, see, it's all about the, the <laughs> it's all about that older son, or at least the older son thinks it's all about him. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could, s- you can almost hear the sarcasm in his voice, so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your well property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because his brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he has been found. And Fernando, you can go on ahead and come if you want get get ready. So I read a book. It's called Clear the Stage Once. And if you want to read it, it's, it's really great. It's Making Room for God by Scott Wilson, John Bates. But they basically read this, you know, they talk about this story. And he basically says that in that culture, it was, and get this, it was the oldest son's responsibility to go and get the younger son. Like it's a miracle that the younger son even was able to make it back, that he was had enough senses to make it, make it back to the father. But it was the oldest son's responsibility to go and get the younger son. And Jesus is saying to the religious leaders of this day, look, you are the older brother in this story. It's your job to go and get the younger son, not hang out in the father's field and mind your own business, right? It, it was the oldest son's responsibility to go and get that younger son. And yet the older son, the older brother, was focused on other things, things that didn't quite matter as much as reconciling his brother to the father. See, guys, we need to stop, start thinking differently about lost people. It's not us and them. We are the older brother in this story. Lost people, they are our younger brothers and our younger sisters. And they deserve 
to be back in the family of God just as much as we deserve to be in the family of God. See, the oldest son lost sight of the mission, and the result is that it became about him. And if we lose sight of the mission, we are in danger of making it about us. And suddenly, we're concerned about things that don't matter. Suddenly, we're concerned about which color carpet we prefer, what types of songs we should sing in church, how the ministry should be ran, or, or, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Fill in the blank. You fill in the blank there. It does not matter. The point is that as we're, if we're focusing on these things, we're focusing on the wrong things. And if we're just doing church work, if we're just coming here to volunteer and to just tend the Father's fields versus focusing on the younger brother, then we're doing it wrong. We are doing it wrong. And I want to read this from page 95 of the book. Jesus' point is that devotion is all about being close to the Father's heart, having the same heart the Father has for, for lost people, and get this, and sacrificing comfort and resources to search for them and bring them home. We got to have the Father's heart. And the father's heart is turned towards the, the younger son, the younger brother. And I hope and I pray that we're our hearts here at Encounter Church, that we're about that. That we're about the lost, right? That the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And it's, like I said, it's a miracle that that younger son came to his senses and came home because there are a lot of people in this world that will never set foot inside these doors, that will never run back to the Father unless we go and get them. It's our job to go and get them. So I just want to close today. And I believe today that there might be two types of people here. I believe there's two types of, there might be two types of people here. One, there might be people here that, that are acting like the oldest brother or the oldest son in the story. And you need to get the Father's heart for lost people. And you've been empowered with the Holy Spirit to do this. If you're, if you're seated in Christ, if you've accepted Jesus into your heart, then the Holy Spirit of God resides, resides in you. And you have that dunamis power, that ability to be able to pray for people and for their lives to be completely and totally changed. So let me pray for you today. And, you know, I think a lot of times, me personally, I find myself in that boat, right? I think we all can kind of relate to the oldest brother in some capacity, yeah? You guys agree with me on that? So I'm going to pray for me too because in a lot of ways I need a heart change as well. So let's pray. Let's all pray together and let's just ask God to change our heart with this. God, I just pray right now that you would just change our hearts, that you would help us to be tunnel vision, that you would help us to have focus and a drive, that you would help us to know and to understand that the only thing in life that matters is being about your mission and having the same heart that you have and your heart beats for those that are lost. Your heart beats for the younger brother, for the, for the younger son. And I just pray, God, that you would change our heart. She would make us more like you and that you would give us a drive and a vision to see lost people come into your kingdom. Amen. And there's someone else here today. There's someone else here today. There may be in this audience, this crowd, the younger son, the younger brother. You're far from God. 
You're way out in somebody else's field and you're feeding slop to pigs. And you just need to come home today and know that the God, that, that the God of the universe is a good, good father. On Father's Day, you need to know that God is a good father and he's waiting for you to come home. And I, I remember singing a song growing up. It's called When God Ran. I don't know if you guys have heard it before. But it says the only time that you see God running is whenever he's running to the younger son. And God is willing to run after you if you'll begin to make those steps towards him. So all you have to do is just admit that you've messed up, that you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus, that Jesus lived, that he died, he was crucified, and that he was raised again. And that through that, he became the sacrifice for your sins. And all you have to do is believe, and then you have to confess. Confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life. And if you do that, then there's a promise of salvation for you today. It's really simple. God made it really, really simple. So if you are the younger brother this morning, if you're the younger son, then you're lost and you're separated from God, and you just need to respond today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So I'm going to pray with you today. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you responded today, then I want you to come, come find me. And I want to hook you up with some resources. And I want to welcome you into the kingdom. So let's just go through that together. Everybody can pray here this prayer. Uh, it's really simple. So let's pray. God, I believe that I'm a sinner, that I've messed up. I admit my sins to you. And I confess that I'm lost and in need of a Savior. God, and I just believe, Jesus, that you died, that you rose again to cover my sins. And Jesus, I confess that you are Lord and you are Savior over my life. Come into my life. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.